You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Tuesday edition, the two-minute drill, your questions featured on this episode, and we've got some coaching hires around the league. There is no combine. There's a ton of NFL news, as there always is, throughout the offseason. That's why we stick with you every day here on the podcast all year long. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, the scout, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. Let's start with the coaching hires. We sort of just mentioned them yesterday, but we had to get into all of the games that we saw this weekend in the divisional playoffs, and we'll definitely break down everything for the AFC and NFC championship games later this week, but Let's talk about the new coaches around the league and uh, very quickly one and done as defensive coordinator of the Rams and, and what a job he did there in Los Angeles. Brandon Staley is the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Matt, what are your feelings about this new hire for uh, the young coach with a young quarterback and, uh, and, a, and a pretty good roster, uh, a veteran roster aside from their young quarterback and young coach and some older players probably on the roster, now that I think about it, than Brandon Staley in some cases for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I, I'm super intrigued because everybody that talks about Staley raves about how bright, how personable, how impressive he is when you're near him, you know, when, when in person. And certainly all those things, as well as being extremely football savvy, showed up with his Rams defense. I'm not going to hold this last weekend against him because Aaron Donald was a shell of himself and, you know, he played a great offense and, the, you know, didn't, didn't help it. Uh, the golf and company didn't help him all that much, but all, all, all that being said, I thought they were probably the best defense in the, in the league this year. And it wasn't just, you got a great defensive lineman in a great corner. Anybody could figure it out. No, he did a lot of creative things and uh, attack people very differently and really, uh, is very intriguing to me. But, well, again, I'll keep on the positive. I can't wait to see what he does with Bosa and Derwin James and some of the young defensive talent they have. Like, it would not shock me at all if the Chargers defense is one of the best in the league next year. And that's going to be my fantasy defense to target. I can tell you that already. You know, like, people won't <laughs> yeah. will be sleeping on it. They won't look at it that way. I don't know how he's going to be on game day. I mean, Anthony Lynn was terrible on game day, and they lost a lot of close games. Will this guy be better? I have no clue. Yeah, that's one of the things you never know. Uh, is he a leader of men, a CEO, a game clock management? There's a lot that goes into being a head coach, and sometimes you don't even get to have as much control over the position, uh, the side of the ball that you are, you know, that you're a genius in. Sometimes you don't even have as much of a say over that side of the ball as you did as a coordinator when you're head coach because there's too many other things going on and you have to delegate. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, a young up and coming head coach, actually, he's 38 years old. I thought he's more like 32 just because he hasn't been on the radar, my personal radar. Maybe I was sleeping <laughs> on on Staley. So uh, still in his 30s, a, a young head coach, definitely. But that's the way things are trending, man. Um, uh, we're, we're seeing so many head coach hires under the age of, you know, 45 years old. And it used to be that you had to be a, a grizzled vet 50-plus years old just to even get that chance in the NFL. So it's much different. That's, I think, why we've seen the league change so much so fast over the last, you know, four, three, four, five years in the NFL. Here's what's interesting, though, is his defense in Los Angeles lost pieces 
and got better with him as the defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, and he replaced Wade Phillips, who's an all-timer, as a defensive coordinator. Right, right, exactly. I mean, a lot of people raised an eyebrow when that coaching change was made mm-hmm. one year ago. You know, you're getting away from Phillips. And I assume, you know, at the time, I kind of thought it was McVeigh maybe clashing with them or – you know, wants to take more control over the team. He was always considered just an offensive guy, but the reality was this dude was too good to not be a coordinator, and that showed in his one year in a big, big way. Um, I'm curious who they get to nurture along Herbert, but I think the Chargers have a lot of talent, and they have a pretty decent draft spot and, you know, capital to get better this year too. Yeah, well, it's a it's an odd team because they're good enough to continue to try to win as they are. It's not a major rebuild because they already have their quarterback, so they can kind of just try to say, okay, look, new head coach, maybe a different direction. Let's go win some football games, and I think they could very quickly with uh, if they did get that thing right at the top. Yeah, and it was kind of an unremarkable fashion, but they won their last four games of the year too. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And they you know? they were in a lot of games. That was the thing with the Chargers for Absolutely. multiple seasons is they kept losing the close games and finding ways to lose. You you flip that script and you you a field goal on the other side of the the ledger and all of a sudden you're a 10-win team and you're in the playoffs. Yeah, it's quite possible. Dan Campbell. Uh, I remembered his name when I saw that name pop up with the head coaches recently. I thought, "Wow, I I know Dan Campbell." had something a while back, and it was uh, in 2015 he replaced Joe Philbin with the Dolphins as interim head coach for more than half the year. He he was there for quite a while, and, and I remember the hulking figure and the big, I mean, Sala versus Dan Campbell. Who's uh, who's more jacked, right? Who's more ripped <laughs> with those guys? Uh, but Dan Campbell, the assistant head coach and tight ends coach from the Saints, is now going to be the new head coach with the Detroit Lions and uh, Dan Campbell's an interesting name because he's not one that I expected to see at the top of lists and I hadn't really heard much from him since 2015 when he was uh, that interim head coach even though apparently he's been doing a great job as a uh, as an assistant around the league in that time yeah I mean I guess he's highly respected Um, that team obviously was going the opposite way at the end of the season lost their last four they don't have the Bosa's and Derwin James to get super excited about I'm not sure what they don't have the rookie quarterback to get excited about. I mean, but Stafford is certainly an asset. That's a tough job. I mean, that that to me looks like a really tough job. I'm real curious, and maybe it's come out and I just haven't seen it yet. Who will his coordinators be? I think that's more important for him than other coaches who aren't necessarily a guru on one side of the ball. But he's heavily respected, and I'm sure he commands respect, and I think he brings a toughness to him. Um, The little I do know about him is, yes, he comes from the Sean Payton tree, and people forget that's really the Parcells tree and big, tough, physical. I mean, that's what this, you know, I think is what he's going to be after. And I wonder now, you know, to your point, if you threw all 32 coaches in the ring for a battle royal, Coach Campbell might be coming, maybe the only one still left. (laughs) Yes, that's true. He has that going for him. Maybe he wasn't the popular name. For Detroit Lions fans, I don't know if he inspires a ton of hope there just because they probably were expecting a bigger name and he kind of uh, was a little bit under the radar there as a head coach candidate in this cycle. But yeah, if you're going to have a battle royal, he's going to be one of the last couple standing for sure. And um, attitude, I think uh, attitude is a big one there. He, he seems like a very different personality than what they had in Detroit, which was probably one of the big things they were going for. As you said that, and I was hesitant if I should even mention this, because I don't mean to sell this guy short. Maybe he was the most sought-after guy on the whole market. But 
I wonder if people turned Detroit down or went other directions. Some of the other candidates kind of has that feel to it. You know, on that same token, it's it's seeming like that's the case in a couple of spots. I think Houston yeah. right now, you have to sort of, and, and maybe that's a reason why the Texans need to really figure out this Deshaun Watson thing sooner than later and not have it lapse over into training camp and yeah. because they have to hire a coach. And what yeah, coach is going to want to take that job not knowing, it's like, okay, do we have the draft picks? Do we have... Uh, Deshaun Watson, do we have somebody else? I would think Deshaun Watson would be a big reason certain coaches would want to go there, and maybe some other coaches would say, cool, let's rebuild this thing from the ground up with a new quarterback and all these draft picks. That I could see a coach liking that, but at least you got to know if you're going to hire, if you're a head coach, you got to know what the score is before you get in there, right? Right. I mean, it's kind of a chicken or egg thing, too. Like, if you're doing the hiring, do I need somebody to cater around Watson's talents or do I need someone to, to bring along a rookie quarterback or get the most out of Tua you know like I kind of need to know my quarterback before I hire my coach too and and if I'm a coach I'd like to know who my quarterback or possibility is before I say yes to a job so it's a little bit of a catch-22. Here's an interesting one with Brian Dable reportedly not interested in the Eagles head coaching job. And he's obviously still going in the playoffs. So uh, the team that wants Brian Dable is, is probably going to have to wait. That's man. Uh, turning down head coaching jobs is an interesting one. The Eagles job and the Texans job right now seem like something that maybe not a lot of people want in Detroit might've been similar. And we just talked a couple weeks ago about how most of these jobs were Looked like they were pretty good jobs, and all of a sudden things switched pretty quickly. And at that time, the Eagles' job wasn't even open, and now it is. And and the timing of the Eagles' job made it so if they wanted one of those assistants, they had to wait because uh, those teams were already back and playing in the playoffs again. Yeah, it's, it's odd to hear that about Philly. Like, where Detroit and Houston are at, I can understand this isn't the most attractive landing spot. Maybe I'll wait till next year and see what else opens up if you're a, a day ball or a B enemy or somebody like that. But Philly, I mean, just a year or two ago, I would have said, boy, this is one of the stronger organizations in the league. And there could be more dysfunction behind those doors than we know. Absolutely. One last coaching note. It looks like the Seattle Seahawks are going to interview Adam Gase for their vacant offensive coordinator position and hmm. what, what kind of uh, swing would that be for Jamal Adams to all of a sudden be like oh Adam Gase is back I guess <laughs> I <think of> that. <laughs> which wow. would be really funny wow uh, I, I actually just wrote an article for my top 10 dynasty quarterbacks and I had Russell Wilson pretty low maybe we'll even do, go through that at some point this is kind of fun mm -hmm. thing to do but boy if they hire Adam Gase I may have to drop him off the top 10 completely you know like man uh, and I could see Carroll liking Gase, you know, because he's kind of conservative. I mean, it, I, I don't have real high hopes for that offense with what I've heard postseason and potential hires. We got to get back to running the ball. Uh, I mean, let Russ do what he does. Yeah, yeah, and it worked so well the first half of the season. And it's odd right. that they decided they hated that so much that they wanted to change their offensive coordinator. It's pretty telling. Yeah, uh, I mean, another one that's a little... I mentioned this too, and it's another one I hesitate to mention, but is the game passing Pete Carroll by? I mean, he's not a young man. Mm -hmm. it, it happens to people. I just wonder. I'm not saying he's fire Pete Carroll, but I'm just open to the idea that I'm going to keep an eye on that. Situation. Yeah, I mean, they're still winning, and the, I'd mentioned sure. how the league has changed so much in the last few years, and he's one of the older school guys out there. 
But in some ways, I think it's beneficial for some teams. If you're only a couple, one of the couple of teams that's zigging while everyone else is zagging, could that be a benefit too? And, and I think that's kind of how it's played out a little bit in Seattle the last few years is they're doing things a little bit differently, but it's working. Yeah. I also think sometimes Russell Wilson makes mm-hmm. a lot of problems <laughs> and non-analytical thinking go away. No, you're very right about that. The quarterback, a star quarterback can can really fix a lot of ills on your football team. All right, we've got some questions about quarterbacks. Let's get into this two-minute drill next, featuring your listener questions. NFL futures, when it comes to the draft, when it comes to coaching hires, is one of my favorite things you can bet on at betonline.ag. Bet on who the Super Bowl winner will be. A national championship game already up for 2022. And the NHL season. Get in on all the action at BetOnline. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Game props, NBA season in full swing, even odds on where Deshaun Watson will land. Miami, the favorite. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Matt, we talked a little bit about the Rams there, and we have a question from Steve. He says, hey, BD Peacock, hey, Williamson NFL, what are the chances of Jared Goff starting week one, 2021? McVay seems a little cheesed off with his situation. That, that is a really good question. And I would have thought, hey, you know, Goff, he's got this big contract and he's going to be there for a little while. But the way they lost and uh, the way McVay talked about Goff as his quarterback after the playoff game, it was essentially, okay, yeah, well, he's our quarterback. We'll see kind of thing. And, and it wasn't, he wasn't adamant about Goff being the guy. So I feel like he's not married to the idea of if there's an upgrade, let's go, let's at least explore to see if there is an upgrade over Goff. Like he's not the guy guy anymore. Yeah. You start to get those vibes and the blurb I read this morning from one of their beat writers was Goff and McVeigh need marital counseling. You know I mean? This is because chances are they probably aren't breaking up. I'm not sure that Goff is tradable at this point in terms of, who's going to give you much for golf right now in his contract. And you're kind of married to him because of the contract, but you know, again, we'll, we'll talk about this a lot. Maybe this is a team that brings in Wilson or Dal or Winston or Dalton or some $5 million quarterback that is sitting out there a little longer than he should and throw him into the mix. And because it does seem like this is a fractured relationship right now. And I can see where Goff would be not hard to coach, but frustrating because you want the, you, you see so many flashes, but it's not always there. And you, it, Michael Barty talks about this a lot. Like, and I think he says it really well with this situation that the reality is the Rams should give McVeigh the 30 million and give Goff the, five or six million that the head coaches, whatever McVeigh is getting, <laughs> because that's really the weight of this relationship when, it, when we're talking football. And I'm looking at his contract situation right now at overthecap.com, and it's still not something they can get out of this year. So Goff yeah, is going right. to be there. And unless, let's see, well, it might change if there's a trade. So if there's a trade, since there is some guaranteed money left, uh, a new team could pick it up. So it's not like he's going to get cut. But if he, I guess it's possible 
contract-wise and salary-wise for him to be traded. But with that contract, I don't know if anybody would want to take that on necessarily. Uh, it's a $166 million deal that goes through 2024. Next year, they can start to get out of it, I think, a lot easier. But it would seem to me that it's going to be Goff. It's just that what's going to go with Goff? Do you... Do you try to do you pull an Aaron Rodgers with him and maybe try to light a fire by drafting somebody and say, hey, look, your seat is warm. You got to play better or this guy's going to take your job. I don't know if it's John Wolford. I don't know if it's a veteran out there, if it's a draft pick. But I think you have to at least try to start getting better. And sometimes if you uh, I mean, if you draft a rookie, they're probably not going to be ready week one, year one anyway. So maybe you start that process now, have some competition, see what you got in a rookie. And maybe that guy's ready to play next year for you anyway and ends up being better than Goff. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, you don't have a first-round pick. That belongs to Jacksonville, which <laughs> is the norm for the Rams. Mm-hmm. But a, a day-two quarterback and kind of split the difference? Okay. I mean, I, I could see that. You could develop him. Maybe a year from now, it's time to move on from Goff. This guy's shown enough that he's a nice, cheap starter for you. I mean, I would be cool with that. As we sit here today, you know, in, early in January, I would think a veteran would maybe make more sense. You know, somebody that's played, Andy Dalton comes to mind. Just, you know what he is. And uh, I mean, not rolling the dice necessarily on a Trubisky or going in on a Darnold or a Wentz or somebody like that, but maybe Jacoby Brissett or somebody that's played snaps that might be able to push golf. Whoever it is has to be paid not a lot of money, though. That's the other key. Right. So it can't be a high end dollar amount for the backup quarterback but a reclamation project could be one too a a quarterback that does have a lot of talent that may you know actually Trubisky isn't crazy to me there no I mean either I was kind of thinking that too you know and it depends on what he's going to get I don't think a bunch of teams are going to be enamored and throwing a lot of money at him it would be wise for his career maybe to go uh, with a really good offensive coach and try to figure something out that's that's an interesting one I'm looking at round two in the draft maybe if they had to move up a little bit in the second round but someone like Mac Jones because Mac Jones could potentially play early and I could see him being a really nice fit for one of those Shanahan tree offenses yeah uh, again yeah you're 100% right but I mean don't you think there's a chance Mac Jones goes 20th overall he definitely could go round one. He is. Yeah. And actually, we'll, we'll talk about the combine tomorrow because that's going to help Mac Jones that there's no combine because him standing there with his shirt off next to Justin Fields <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence right, and Trey right. Lance, he's not a physically impressive guy. And I think similarly, Zach Wilson, I, I don't think the postseason draft lead up process is going to be kind to Wilson as kind, I should say, to Wilson and Mac Jones. Uh, Wilson, at least, will be able to add his pro day to sling the ball all over the place. Mac sure. Jones doesn't have that kind of arm talent. It's just, you know, it's fine. But he's already, you know, he's peaked, basically. He, he peaked in the national championship game. Everybody else has a chance to really wow people with their athleticism and their arm strength and what they look like with their shirt off. And, and Mac Jones isn't going to do that. That's why I think he's going to be a second-round guy. I, I, yeah, you're probably right about that, that in terms of his stock now's the time to sell it it might have peaked as high as it's going to go draft stock and i hadn't thought about that but lack of combine might help him because there won't be that meat market assembly line you know one after another or them throwing next to each other that's the beauty of the combine again we'll talk about that tomorrow um but yeah that that would not be kind to him by the way the the deadline has come and gone for underclassmen to declare for the 2021 draft uh, Justin Fields, no surprise, did declare he's in. His Ohio State wide receiver teammate, Chris Olave, is going back to school, though. I think most of the other prospects that people expected 
would declare uh, did come out for the draft. And so we're going to have a nice crop of uh, quarterbacks there at the very top of the draft, most likely. And uh, Desmond Ritter was another interesting quarterback from Cincinnati who was going back to school. And I think he could be one of the guys that we're starting to talk about as a first round prospect next year, a really athletic guy, kind of skinny. I think going back is smart for his prospects because he might have been, you know, a a second, third round guy this year could sort of inch up toward the first round next year. So one of the ones I was really intrigued about Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. Maybe he has some unfinished business of trying to get that Cincinnati team into the playoff and could be uh, potentially uh, a big-time prospect next year. So those were just some of the notes I, I saw really quickly when it comes to underclassmen declaring. Shocked me Olave didn't come out. Um, you obviously know more about Ritter than I do. Do you think he could be a potential Heisman guy next year? I mean, Cincinnati is pretty good. I think so. And I think just okay. getting his name out there more was important. And what Cincinnati did this year, if they're able to build on that and play even better next year, they should be knocking on the door, maybe have more respect of the people in charge of, you know, figuring out who gets to get in and who doesn't. And, you know, just a bigger name recognition. And if he gains, you know, five, 10 pounds and he's already got a really good arm and he's really athletic and Cincinnati wins a bunch of games, he he could definitely be a hot name uh, next fall for sure. Let's finish this up strong. We got a bunch of questions, some draft questions, trades possibly at the top of the selection meeting in April next. Do you want to keep your vehicle running smooth? Do you want to keep your family safe in that vehicle? Do you want to save some money? Then you got to go to Rock Auto It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The website is no nonsense. I love it. Super easy to find exactly what you need for exactly your vehicle. And yes, your vehicle is covered. Unbelievable from every make and model. Dating back to since before anybody who was listening to this podcast was born. It's pretty amazing the selection that rockauto.com has. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, jumper cables, small big parts, whatever it is you need. You need a new tailgate, you need wiper blades, you can find it at rockauto.com. And those prices, by the way, always reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Sticking with the draft theme, Matt, a question from Tony here. Which top 10 teams picking in the NFL draft do you think are most likely to trade out of their spots and why? Which teams are the most likely to be looking to draft a running back? Interesting. Okay, two-part question there. Let's start with... well. Let's actually start backwards because the running back one for me is easier. Which team most likely to be drafting a running back? I think it should be zero in the first round. But, I, you know, at the end of the first round, I think we might see someone like the the kid from Alabama go in there. There is yeah. um, ATN as well from Clemson. There might be a couple other names. I would say nobody in the first round, but your Pittsburgh Steelers might be one. And Najee Harris from Alabama might be a nice fit there. Yes, that's the only... I don't think any go in the top 20 picks. So I'm sitting here looking at the draft order thinking, where could ATN or Harris be that Clyde Edwards Hilaire late first round type guy this year? And uh, I mean, Seattle, any chance? They don't even have their pick. I'm sorry. The Jets have that pick. Maybe there, though. I mean, the Jets at 23, the Steelers at 24. Those are the two that kind of come to mind. I don't think anybody else is in that market that's still alive or playoff type team. They need bigger and better things. 
And even then, I mean, if I were the Steelers or the Jets at 23, 24, and both those backs are sitting there, I'd like to move down to 30-ish and grab them, you know, pick up a third-round pick or something along those lines. But at the, at the beginning of the second round, the Jets again, Atlanta, Atlanta screams it to me. Um, then I'm kind of running out, you know, I mean, Denver. Atlanta round two, I kind of like that because yeah. they have a, a pick in the first round. They don't have to use their first pick on a running back. Then in the second round, if ATN or Najee Harris, or maybe there's another prospect that jumps up there and we have a lot of work to do when it comes to these prospects. And I have a lot of film work I want to do because I wasn't able to do it a lot on Saturdays being busy throughout the college football season. But Atlanta in round two is where I can start to get on board and I can start to see some of those running backs. Uh-huh. And it depends what you want. Do you want the speed guy? Do you want ATN? Do you want a little bit more size and a three down type of a back in Najee Harris? Yeah, I'm having a hard time coming up with teams, though, that'll be running back needy for a first or second type round pick. Maybe Arizona. I mean, could you imagine ATN and Kyler speed together? Oh, wow. I could see that as a perfect fit. Yeah. I don't think Arizona should do it, but I could absolutely see that. Yeah, I, I could see the allure there. How about top 10 teams most likely to trade their pick? That's a good I'm question. I'm looking at this too, and I kind of feel like everyone but Jacksonville right now. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. Jacksonville, <laughs> Jacksonville, definitely not. Everybody else, definitely, right? Well, the Jets, right. it depends with the Jets, because the Jets have an opportunity to draft a really good quarterback there. They're not going to want to trade too far if they do like quarterbacks and they want to move on from Darnold. They're not going to want to trade down too far. And if you get past four, you might start to get a little worried that another team could come up or that those quarter, those top four quarterbacks could go one, two, three, four. So the Jets, I would say yes and no, unless they like a different prospect at a different position and they have that second first round pick and they like someone like Kyle Trask or Mac Jones to draft at the end of the first round. So that's an interesting one. The Jets could go so many different directions. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking that with the second and third pick owned by the Jets and Dolphins, I think those are the two most likely landing spots for Watson if he moves, because I need a pick like that if I'm the Texans, you know I mean? And maybe I get to pick my quarterback then fields or whomever it's so early. And I'm excited to talk to more draft, you know, people on the, on the pod, we'll get some guests going forward, but I have some reservations. If I think fields or Wilson are worth number two, do you, Uh. But they're quarterbacks. So they're it quarterbacks, matter, you know? and this class is difficult because the talent pool is going to be a little bit shrunk. There's going to be the same number of prospects available as usual, but with the way the season went and no combine, I think less consensus about what top players there will be, and there's already no you know, Chase Young, Bosa-type pass rusher at the very that. top. There's not that many non-quarterbacks to fight for those spots either because the Jets I'm sure under Robert Sala want to build in a similar image that the 49ers did and and build up that defensive line if there was a stud defensive end there I'd say okay yeah wait until 23 to draft your quarterback and have that guy compete with Darnold and get a stud defensive end at two but that player is not there so you almost have to go quarterback in that case and yes the Jets and in Miami by far are the most likely landing spots for Deshaun Watson if Watson would waive his no trade for those spots and if uh, Houston's willing to trade Watson, first of all, and willing to trade him in the AFC. If he, if they want to trade him to the NFC, then maybe not. But, uh, I mean, just multiple picks, the New York Jets and and Miami Dolphins are, are perfect. And by the way, there were rumors that Deshaun Watson, that uh, Robert Sala, the new head coach of the New York Jets, was one of the coaches that Watson wanted 
the Texans to interview, and they didn't. He was actually the only team that didn't request to interview Robert Sala there. But by the way, they did have an interview with, and they had to get special permission, actually, because he's still in the playoffs. They did interview Eric Bieniemy, I think, yesterday, right? And I think Deshaun Watson might even I have been a so, part yeah. of that interview. So maybe that is the first step in the path to mending things with Deshaun Watson if Bieniemy is the guy that Watson really wants. So we'll see how that all goes. But I would say the overwhelming favorites, as long as the Texans are willing to trade Watson and willing to send him to the AFC and Watson's willing to go, uh, the Jets and the Dolphins are the only teams I could see being in competition for Watson just because of what they can give up versus everybody else. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think the point about no Chase Young, Bosa, slam dunk, stud, edge rusher is a really good one. The only position player I see that fits that mold is Penny Sewell, who I can't believe would get out of the top five. I mean, Cincy yes. at, at five, Miami at three, the Jets at two, are I think are all on the table at least and can't get past the Bengals. And there's also trade situations, obviously. But after that, the receivers are really attractive. But there's so many good receivers you can get in the second round that uh, I think there's uh, it's not getting to the running back level, but I'm I have some reservations about using a top five pick on a wide out unless he looks like Calvin Johnson or right. Al- Andre Johnson. Thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, Julio neither Jones. one of them is that type of Julio Jones athlete or prospect. And so I, I think the most likely pick to be moved would probably be number three with Miami here, just because they do have a top five quarterback they drafted last year. Mm-hmm. And that could be a prime spot for say somebody uh, behind them who wants one of those quarterbacks, doesn't think it's going to get there. Atlanta. And yeah, ahead of Atlanta, ahead of Detroit, ahead of Carolina, or maybe Detroit or Carolina are one of those teams that want to go up or Denver. You know, there's a, there's a lot of teams there that, that might be drafting uh, a quarterback all the way down to, you know, 15 or so. And if you are Miami, it's probably more valuable to you to move down to pick eight and still get one of those quarterback or one of those wide receivers. Jamar Chase or, or Devontae yeah. Smith could still be there, right? So um, I think Miami at number three is the most likely to trade then Philadelphia at six as well, just because seven, eight, nine, that could be a quarterback hot spot. So maybe trying to get in front of those teams. If they, if let's say three quarterbacks go one, two, three, and you have a top four and you want to go get up for Trey Lance, you might have to get up to number six. So I would say three Miami, huh. six Philly are the two most likely to me in the top 10 to get traded. Yeah. I think you said that really well. And then as you're saying, I'm like, boy, that's smart, you know, because I think Miami Maybe you just take Sewell and say he's special and, you know, we'll build a line. But everyone's going to mock Atlanta for a quarterback at four. So if you can get the three, that would make a lot of sense to jump Atlanta for a quarterback. And you're right. I mean, there's a little bit of that murderer's row, seven through nine, Detroit, Carolina, Denver, that absolutely could be Trey Lance, could be quarterback run. You know, I mean, if they're there, all those teams should strongly consider so that you call Philly or even call Cincy, to be honest with you, at five. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't get Sewell, if he's gone in the top four and I'm the Bengals, I'll move down quite a bit and take the next tackle. You know, I mean, or Micah Parsons and then add extra picks that I can do offensive linemen. Because who's the fit for Cincy at five if it's not Sewell? That's a, that's a great one. One player that... We didn't get to see because he opted out. Uh, he's in the draft out of the University of Miami, Greg, Gregory Rousseau, Rousseau because yeah. he's 
freak of nature, 6'7", 265. He put up, I think, 15 sacks as a freshman. And he's so young, and he's a pup, and he's a former wide receiver, but all that length that teams love a defensive end, he could get some. He could be somebody that gets pushed way up, and I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the day just because of this class and just because there's so few sure bets anyways that teams are just going to swing for the fences on athletes like that, Talent. and he might end up being yeah. the first non-quarterback taken. So I could see him getting up pretty high, but I could see him you know, in the middle of the first round too. So there's so much up in the air. If you're a team like Philly, Cincy, Miami, I think moving down in this draft, if, as long as uh, someone's paying the quarterback price to you, I think it's almost a no-brainer at some point. And if you're a team like, say, San Francisco, who I think should be in the quarterback market, even if they hold on to Jimmy G. In fact, Jimmy G and Trey Lance would be a nice combo because Lance uh, hasn't played a lot of football and uh, could be used in a Taysom Hill sort of a, a role for a first mm-hmm. year. You could actually get him on the field while you're developing him and then see what you have there at quarterback and, and make sure you have the best possible situation going forward at quarterback. You know, moving up from 12 to 6 is a lot cheaper than moving up from 12 to 2 or 3, and you might not have to give up future firsts even. You know, a second rounder gets you up to pick 6 probably. Uh, according to the chart. So there's a lot of movement that could happen right there. And just because the quarterbacks are going to be more in demand, because I think there's going to be less other positions that are in super high demand and less big time superstar prospects at other positions in this draft class. Yeah. You said a lot there. And the two things I wanted to touch on were Rousseau is the anti Mac Jones in terms of stocks about to soar. Yes, you know, yes. when people start mm-hmm. seeing him do drills and it'd been good for him to be at the combine because he'll stand next to the other defensive ends and they'll be like, who's that guy? You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. He'll stand out in an environment around his peers. So his stock might soar for sure. And another name I just want to throw out that maybe if since he's not stuck at five or, you know, Kyle Pitts to me is really intriguing mm. and you can call him a tight end, but he runs like a wide out. I mean, he's like a better Darren Waller. You could use him exactly like Kansas city uses Travis Kelsey, who's also mm-hmm. a tight end, but he's, you know, he's a slot receiver. Really? That's where his value is. And Kyle Pitts is a fantastic prospect. I'm glad you brought him up because he deserves to be up there and maybe should be the first quote unquote pass catcher off the board, even ahead of Smith right. and Jamar Chase. Right. Yeah, no, he's uh, a stud. With all respect to those wide outs. I mean, he's, Call him a tight end if you want. And yes, he lines up in line. But in terms of pass catchers, I think I'd rather play against Smith or Chase than that guy. Which is another reason why if you're one of those teams and you're not looking for a quarterback, move down. And you have that group of players that one of those guys is still going to be there five, ten maybe picks later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, good stuff there. We're out of time here. Some fantastic questions. We were kind of long-winded as we usually are, but we'll filter in some more questions throughout the week here. Tomorrow, I want to talk more about that combine, what this postseason draft lead-up process is going to look like now, and, and a lot more impact for Senior Bowl and Pro Days as well. AFC and NFC Championship Games this week on Peacock and Williamson.